0: Welcome to Business and Happiness Podcast. I'm your host, brazzo Pobridge. This episode is sponsored by Life Success Academy, a place where you recreate your business and personal happiness. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Business and Happiness Podcast. I am truly honored, so happy that today I have an amazing guest, uh, my friend, uh, individual who taught thousands of clients to successfully challenge the effort myth. She is director of Learn and Flourish. She's also uh, the one of the first graduate basically graduated from the very first Master of Positive Psychology program at UPenn. and she teaches clients on five continents. So very very happy honored to have my friend Uh, Sherry Fisher. So Sherry, welcome. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. This is exciting. It's very nice to see you. One day we'll do this again live. (laughs) Yes, yes, we will. This is awesome. So I I know your focus is on flourish and learn. And of course, you apply uh, everything that you know from the science of positive psychology. Can you walk me through that process? How do you teach people. So let's say, you know, we have managers who really need to learn something. What's the process? How do you do that?
1: Well, one of the things I would want to find out, first of all, is what does the manager think the problem is? So uh, I have a a little acronym for this uh, that I just call SHOP. Um, So what do they think the situation is? And I learn a lot uh, about how they... um, you know, what, what do they think is driving success or the lack of success in their um, direct reports, for example? And then we wanna figure out um, what would they hope uh, for if things could be a whole lot better? And then um, what obstacles do they believe are are the the presenting problems, something that's behind everything that's going badly? Because sometimes if the manager thinks things aren't gonna get better, then things don't get better. And then the last would be, what could we do to make a plan that could uh, address these things so i use what i call the three gifts of motivation and that's how we figure out whether we can actually get that that person to be able to be more motivated this is useful uh, as a set of tools whether you're talking about getting you know high school kids to do their homework or get out of bed on time or you are talking about somebody who works in um in your work team to you know uh, get their work done so that their part that they're contributing is is actually showing up when it needs to be there. So projects move ahead. So that is my my general approach, and it applies in lots of different settings.
0: Yeah. So certainly motivation is is, is a big key for all of us, and uh, you know what, what I I was actually I've been just developing a. Um, something what I call organizational and employees' well-being. And do you think that there has to be really motivation from both sides? So yes, we need to motivate the employee to do the thing, right? But how about team manager on the organization? And should there be some kind of match or alignment, rather? That's a great question, because I think
1: that um, what we uh, What we don't want to do is we don't want to think that the the problem is caused by somebody. So what I haven't told you yet is that when I listen to what the manager thinks the problem is, that doesn't mean that I'm going to tell the manager, oh, you can fix your person by doing this. Instead, I am doing some pretty deep listening to what the manager thinks the problem is, because underneath of that are some things that probably uh, are maybe a little bit true, but they really aren't uh, the what we need to be focusing on. So yes, everybody needs to be motivated. And this kinds of skills we're talking uh, about having people be able to learn could uh, could be uh, both the same and different, depending on what, um, what, you, what you're talking about by motivation. If you gave me uh, an example, I could talk you through what that example is, but I can also give you sort of some like, you know, step back, very general things that could apply in a variety of different settings. Sometimes it's helpful, for people to hear a problem kind of, uh, you know, unpacked a little bit. So if you come up with one that you really like, we can do that too.
0: Oh, uh, sure. So we can do both. We can do general and then we can uh, come up with an example. Does that work for you? Sure. Yep. So, so where would you like to start with that? Yeah, let's start with general and then we'll move, we'll just come up with something.
1: Okay. <laughs> so um, in general, the, the what I call the three gifts of motivation are the skills that a person has does does a person have the skills they need in order to be able to accomplish what it is you want them to do. Lots of times we think if people have been exposed to skills that they have them, but that may not be true and also some things require discrete individual teensy tiny little skills that if they are missing can have a pervasive effect and. That means that things aren't actually happening, we can identify what some of those little skills are, and when those are uh, adjusted, then things are able to move forward. The second one is called choices. So choices uh, are the sort of like the way we rig an environment for success. So on the manager side, the manager needs to rig things for success. It's not the job of the employee to rig things for success. And those are things that the uh, skills that the manager can learn. Um, And then what we want for everybody is self-direction. You know, we don't wanna have to have the the manager or the or the leader we don't want that person to have to spend so much energy getting people to do what it is that they need to do they need to have uh that's that level of self motivation internal drive to do the things that need to get done but they also need to be able to feel like they have choices that are you know r- related to things that they want to do if you were going to think about this as um and be thinking of your your exact Problem that you want me to unpack, also. But if you were going to think about this, um, think about a college student, for example, who struggles with reading and isn't doing their reading, and that means that they're not doing their writing, and they're they're uh, asking for lots and lots of extensions, and the professor thinks that they are just lazy. Well, it might be really useful to work backwards there and figure out if there's a missing skill, and it might be that the missing skill is way far back down the line. And it's not really what you're seeing. This also happens in a work setting where you don't know why someone's not doing something. And it's really easy to just blame the person for not producing. So it happens across a variety of different settings.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, when you said it's it's easier to blame. And and quite frankly, you know, I I come from corporate world, you know, last 40 years or so. And that's really often managers just don't have patience don't have time don't want to you know deal a lot with issues that employees have uh, so uh, I mean that's that's the reality unfortunately so okay so thanks that, that that's that's really great I love I love that approach it's really really great so let's say let's say we have somebody who um, uh, I don't know he's doing um, He's managing technology. He's a really great techie, and uh, but now his manager wants him to, you know, look at the invoices and find out, you know, how much we're spending on this and why we're spending so much. And his manager wants him to make sure that him or her, to make sure that uh, you know all the payments are done on time. And employees like, yeah, it's just you know. I, I, Yeah, that's not why I'm here. I wanted to do technology. You know, I don't want to do invoices now. Uh, And I mean, in reality, things like this happen all the time. You know, maybe you know very similar examples. So let's figure out what what do we do there.
1: Well, in that case, I think that the um, the manager would would benefit from understanding that people's uh, strengths. that are not well aligned with the expectations that uh, happen in the workplace can lead to people just not producing at all it isn't the, just the need that the company has to have invoices checked out. Um, and, and then also you can sort of rethink what the, the task is made up of um, because it's it is possible that that could be uh, added to the, the workload that the person has. Yes. So let me just give you an example of how I would think about that. Say that uh, you um, you as a manager talk to the 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 employee the uh, the tech person, and you say, you know, I've noticed you do really great detailed work in such and such a setting, and I'm so impressed with what you've done. One of the things that we have as a short-term need for the company is to set up a, a database so that anybody who would Uh, anybody whose job it was to um, be tracking our invoices or or um, you know financials that that person would find it really easy to just dive right in i'm wondering if you can say to me that yep you already know exactly what software we should be using like how would we do that do you have an idea and if the person has no clue if they just go i don't have no idea then the the managers to save themselves an incredible amount of time and aggravation because they've identified what the person's already doing well using some strength language to talk about that to the the um the person i've noticed that you do such and such very well um i'm wondering if you can help with problem solving such and such and if the person just can't do it then they need to go to someone else or provide like a huge training program that's going to try and you know weed out the you know the wheat from the chaff but a lot of times it's as simple as making sure that the person who you are going to give the new task to is a up for it and then framing it in terms of a skill uh and a set of strengths they already have
0: yeah that's yeah that's that's so true i mean um and a lot of time people are just not up to, they might even say, okay, I'll do it, but then they are not happy. So it's really, you know, manager's job to, especially, you know, if they have a smaller team. Well, you always have a smaller team. Even if you have 5,000 people, you have six direct reports, right? So uh, to make sure that they really understand what this person is going through, why he or she wants or doesn't want to do this. And like I said, unfortunately, some managers don't really go that detail, you know, in in detail rather, uh, for each person. But that's, you
1: know, (laughs) It (laughs) it... it may not actually require a lot of detail. It could be just a couple of well positioned questions that will get you the information that you need in order to decide that you're going to add this to this person's job description or maybe you're not going to and you're going to find somebody else who would be better suited. I mean, there are so many different types of assessments that will Will give you information, but if you don't know how to interpret the information that you have, sometimes it is like a simple one-to-one with a couple of quick questions will get you the information that you really need to be able to move on. When things look like they're going to work well and they don't, then you can unpack things lots of other ways. There are always, like I said, there are always our assessments. There are, are also people who are, um, you know, on the outside or people, you know, people in HR who are be better at talking to that person about what would be expected when this gets added um, you know taking more of a team approach but the thing you don't want to do is you don't want to uh turn the the uh employee into a problem right as soon as the employee perceives that they are a problem then you have less motivation when you have less motivation then learning starts to to shrink because it's very hard to to try harder at something when you are worried that uh you know things are not going well and especially
0: in you know in your professional life in
1: this example
0: agreed agreed and you know just to clarify when i said you know sometimes the marriages just don't want to go that deep or spend the time often they'll just be hey you just got to do this that's it and there's no discussion that's not again something you and i can easily fix but uh, mm-hmm. in the real world that happens a lot, unfortunately. And then of course, employee has a choice, right? We all have a choices in life, stay or go.
1: <laughs> yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. But that turns into like a very, kind of like a binary way of thinking about um, about uh, what would make something better or worse, stay or go. When there are lots of things in that sort of gray middle that are actually, uh, they would make everybody happy. So, this is where, you know, someone on the outside who doesn't even work in your company comes in. You know, when you when you bring a consultant in, part of the job of a consultant is to be able to help you see things you wouldn't see otherwise.
0: Right? Yes, I 100% agree. i like management consulting for so many years, and you are absolutely right. You know, as long as people are open-minded and uh, ready to bring somebody from the outside, it can totally uh, change, not just the way, you know, the the their way of thinking, but uh, really help business succeed. Yeah, hundred percent right. right. So, so, so you mentioned consulting, and I know you also do. You, so, you do consulting work for the companies, and I also know that you work a lot with um, with the children and parents. Can we talk a little bit about consulting now? That's a good segue to just a little bit about if you think about consulting as a business. Then I, I, I like to connect that with like our own personal well-being. And, and the reason I'm bringing this up, I'm thinking now back years ago when I was, you know, doing a, a, a management consulting for many years, you know, traveled a lot all over the place, you know, not spending a lot of time at home, uh, not seeing my son a lot. And even when I do, you know, hey, there's a phone call Friday afternoon and, Sunday morning, I have to travel to West Coast. How do you, uh, I like to connect these two. So, business of consulting, this is an really interesting topic to me. And, and your personal well-being. Well, what do you think comes first? But what do you think?
1: <laughs> well, the reason I ask that is because um, underneath it all, if you're really miserable, you might be able to you know produce some sort of uh, level of business success, but you're gonna be miserable. So-
0: exactly. Yeah, I I yeah, sorry, I didn't want to put you on the spot. But yeah, exactly. I mean you really have to balance it's not that's why you know I always talk about this life success. So what is really success, right? It's not just how we produce great results as a consultant per se, but also about our own life. So that together is a success, right? Right, and there are lots of different
1: approaches that people can use that um, that don't necessarily work for everyone. If you look at at the research literature, uh, especially in what uh, what brings well being to people, um, you know, sometimes you'll you'll get uh, a very specific uh, um, set of participants who are in a certain environment, for example, or you'll get just people who are in a certain age range, or it'll be gender uh, specific, and and ultimately, to be able to figure out what's going to make people be happier, I always end up going back to self-determination theory, which you know that's a long time ago, but still uh, feels very relevant. And that is, you know do your um the people in your workplace so they have autonomy? So what you were just describing is that you are kind of like owned by your calendar, right? How autonomous do you feel about um, you know, you get home from a business trip, you really want to spend time with your kid oops, tomorrow morning, you have to be on a plane, you know, to, to the West Coast or wherever. Um, do you feel like that uh, is running you or do you feel like you're in charge of it? If, the, if you have some level of, of autonomy over the way you have your schedule uh, running, say that you, uh, you know that you have uh, this amount of time that you're going to spend uh, on work projects every week um, versus letting the work sort of, you know, take over. That's going to make a big difference to anyone that um, that they have some choices about how their their uh, their time, like the the time of your life. You know, it's every day. How are you going to spend it?
0: Yeah. So so I think you know when you, when we talk specifically consulting, I think so. There are again now we can dig deeper. So if you're doing it on your own, then you have autonomy. You make it your own schedule. You you figuring out if you want to see the client for a week and take three weeks off. If you're working for a management consulting company unfortunately you don't really have that autonomy again you just have your choices of course as always but you are you know really you got to follow their calendar and what they want to do
1: Oh correct right that would happen and if you worked in um in the world of finance uh and uh you know big uh you know big consulting jobs where there are, you know uh, I, I have a um, a client, he says, uh, you know, $2 million is a rounding error. Like people who are working, you know, where the stakes are very, very high. Yes, you have limited autonomy and people
0: burn out of those jobs. They're yes, like, oh, I don't want to do this. <laughs> yes, that's why I left after eight years. But but, I, but that experience is just invaluable. It's, it's just amazing, you know, how much you get, like even in a couple of years with, uh, you know, one of the top... Mm-hmm. uh five consulting companies so it's definitely right. worth it but yes right. yes. so um
1: so when i get young people uh who are in college and they're trying to decide you know what do they really want to do do i want to go be a financial analyst for you know such and such a, a firm and then they look at, at what their um their peers are doing some of them are they're like wow they do the most amazing things they travel they meet yes. all these people Right when you're young and you don't have a family or you don't have other responsibilities, that can be so exciting and it is also valuable. So, you also want to figure out in terms of looking at well being is this for the life that I have right now, or do I need, or am I somehow projecting that I'm going to have to do this forever? Because if I leave um that i'm no longer going to be able to do these other things it's not even just about balancing it is about recognizing where you are in your own life trajectory and that's a hard thing to do being present with like being a parent for example in your example there um, being present with the idea that you want to spend time with your son and yet you need to go and do these other
0: things Right, right, right. So, and you know, when you said travel, it's really interesting. Anybody who traveled a lot, uh, they know Mm -hmm. that, especially in management consulting industry, all you see is airport and hotel and the office. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's your travel time. Unless you stayed, you know, an extra day. That's pretty much all you see during your travel uh, because everything else is just work. Uh, cool. So this is this is good. So this is uh, we cover something on the management side. We looked at the consulting. Uh, there is one area that you are where your expertise is in so many areas, right? So another one I wanted to go over is um, working with the children and the parents. Uh, and, I, and I often get the calls, and that's really not what I do at all. <laughs> that's not what I do. So I wanted to hear from you. Uh, you know, how does that work? Uh, what do we you know how do we motivate children how do parents deal with uh, you know teenagers anything that you want to discuss in that area i would love to hear
1: so lots of times when a parent uh, comes to me and says oh my child is really struggling uh, what they're really telling me is i am exasperated with trying to help my child be successful and it is affecting everything in my life yes i get to work and i'm tired i can't pay attention and you know, so and some of the people who I work with, that some of the parents have really high-powered jobs. You know, they're the uh the president of, of a bank, for example, and you know, they're re- responsible for everything. And they have a child who doesn't get out of bed in the morning, and especially during COVID, who's going to be there to help get that child out of bed in the morning, right? Um I, I the people who, who I uh work with at, 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 on the family level, there's a whole family system that needs to be considered. But when that person goes off to the the business world to do their work, they're expected to kind of leave that behind. Yes. So what people find out is that the tools that you can use to help motivate your kids, they are also for motivating you and for helping you understand the difference between uh, asking and telling. So there's a whole chapter in, in uh, my book, the effort myth, which is called ask, don't tell. And it is the idea that you can use what you see and here, and instead of tell someone what to do, and some of say, here, and I'll just tell you, here's like my little secret word that I, I've tried to get parents to listen to. Um, and that word is need, right? If you go to anyone, you go to your direct report, you go to your kid and you say, I need you to do this. Right away, they've checked out. Yep. And you think that you're being helpful by identifying the problem and needs to happen right now. This is, but while you've done is you said, I need. Who cares I need. need? Right, and that's right, the other person doesn't care. So just to give you a, a, a specific example, um, I have parents who will say, I can't get my kid out of bed in the morning and it affects my entire life. And they're, you know, they've had it. And they tell me all the things they've done and I just listen, you know, Thanks. Thanks for letting me understand um, a little bit deeper about, you know, how you have been approaching this. If I talk to the kid, the kid will say to me, my parents drive me crazy. They just can't like, don't they know that I don't want to get up in the morning, but the bigger thing is what would make it worth getting up in the morning. Yep. And sometimes it's a very small thing. So I was talking with somebody last week, what was going to get this person, this this is a kid, a high school kid, out of bed in the morning without being, you know, like hammered on by the, their parents or uh, b- being reminded over and over again, or uh, when they get to school or having to serve detention for lateness, what would make a difference? If, if getting to school had some value to it. So if I got to school on time, what is it that I would want to be there for me? What's in well, it for me? This is a kid who just wanted to be able to spend some time with his friends, even if it was just like having, you know, 10 minutes to hang out with friends. But that had been kind of removed during COVID when you didn't see anybody, you know, You and he had not figured out how to get back into having, you know, friends that he would see before school, even just a few minutes before school. You know, you used to hang out in the hallway. When we figured that out, the parent was like, I know just how he feels. You know, I used to like have coffee with my friend, changed everything. So yeah, no, that's that <laughs> gets up though, because I said, I just want you to do it for one day. I just want you to get up, pick a day that you're gonna get up. And see. So he picked a day, he said, oh, I'll do it on Thursday. I'll get up because you know, that day I just have a study hall in the morning. And uh, you know, so if I, if I can't do it, I'm like, well, no, no, just pick a day when you really can do it. Just pick one day, it doesn't have to be every day. He said well i'm going to do it, and then he texted me to tell me I got to school at he's supposed to be there at 735 uh, or something I got to school at 725 because that's when. the uh, I got on the bus my my mother didn't have to drive me so all these good things happen on one day, but instead of saying I knew you could do it. Which is I, I cautioned the parent, but we don't want to hear that because all you're doing is saying you've been a slacker all the time up until today and you just proved to me you could do it you brat like you don't do that right so instead this this kid was able to tell me all the things that were good right so going back to the beginning when we were talking about like what's the situation situation is you know my um the from the parents point of view my kid won't get out of bed from the kid's point of view there's nothing to go to school for um you know, what What do I hope from the parents point of view, the parent hopes they don't have to be going after their kid every morning to wake them up and drag them out the door and maybe only get them in the car and get them to school late. Uh, from the kids point of view, I hope I get to see my friends. Very simple. From the, um, the parents point of view, the ob- obstacles are they've never done it before. Why should I believe they're going to do it now? From the kids point of view, it's maybe my friends won't be there. Yeah. From the parents' point of view, what kind of a plan could there be, it, the, the plans are usually punitive, if my kid doesn't do it, I'm going to take away this and this and this and this and this, from the kids' point of view, the plan was, I will try on one day, and I will go once and I will see what happens and I will report back to you.
0: Yeah, that, that so much makes sense, so much makes sense. Um, and it's, you know, and it's also... Um, it's also what, what kids see at home in general. I remember when my son was you know, growing up, um, he has his own two kids now, but uh, I remember I was, you know, so the room wouldn't be clean and we would fight about little things. And I spoke to my friend um, psychologist who said actually they bought, you know, his, well, my son's friend parents, right? So we were friends. And then basically they said, look, Kids are going to do all kinds of stuff. The bottom line is they'll do what they see at home. I think this was like my biggest, you know, lesson for children because we fight so many little things that are just not important. Of course, going to school, waking up on time is important. But, you know, did they clean up their room? Just close the door. <laughs> Leave them alone. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I think that things that kids see and hear at school, I mean, at, at home are important, but I think what they feel at home is maybe more important. And we oh, can't of course. see that. And when you, well, what, in the, the example that I was just uh, um, describing, how that child felt about school, and how the parent felt about not being listened to, and struggling when, the, when they got to the office, that those things were far more important than whether um whether the behavior that you saw was was going to happen it was more important that we could figure out what was the the tiny little underlying motivation that kind of affected everything and it it's it ends up not being nearly as complicated as as people sometimes think but you do have to be willing to not blame the person who's doing the thing you don't like and that is the tricky bit That's the key, right? And that's, what's really hard. (laughs) Yeah, because the blaming part is kind of cumulative, right? Especially if you have someone who continues to not do what you don't want them to do, you know, they keep on doing it and doing it and doing it. And then you're just getting exasperated. So sometimes it's a matter of improving your communication with that person. But oftentimes when things get a little bit, uh, rougher, you need to figure out what would be the one thing that could change it all up. So sometimes, as we were saying before, it helps to bring somebody who's an outsider who doesn't have any skin in the game. Having skin in the game can make everything very painful. If you're, you know, the, the manager, the direct report, like the kid, is the kid the direct report to the parent? Lots of times, parents who are used to, especially, you know, if I work with parents who are leaders. Those parents are used to having, you know, they sort of snap their fingers and they say, this is what I want to have
0: done and things get done. Yes, yes, that's right. And that's why they really have to be careful, you know, the way that they approach If Well, let's put it this way. There are different types of leaders, right? There are some leaders who will snap a finger and expect everybody to do the work. There are leaders who will take a different approach, but not the same approach will work back at home right? So, that's, yes. yeah. so that, that's another problem. You have, you know, parents, you know, one parent or both parents who, who work crazy hours, really don't really have enough time to spend enough time to understand their children. That's another thing, right? And, and uh, people who are in high position that people that you and I know, usually, at least in my case, in my, you know, experience from coaching, it's, it's mostly relationships that suffer. I mean, that's what I've seen for years. It's, it's relationships with the partner, with the children, with the family. You know, it's not the work because they're successful at work. Right, <laughs> right?
1: exactly. They're successful. And then how do you measure success is an interesting thing. So uh, just as uh, as an example of this, so I was working um, with a boy who's, uh, you know, he's in, in middle school. And um, he was telling me, you know, in in his, you know, my wishes and hopes for my my future life, how he is going to um, not even these for hopes, he said, I already know what I'm going to be when I grow up, I am going to be the next and he gave me the name of of, uh, some um, sports star, you know, he's, he's going to be uh, an athlete. And I said, Oh, do you already play such and such a sports? He's 12 years old. And he said, No, I haven't started playing it yet, but I'm going to do it. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to be famous. And I've watched this guy on YouTube and I know I can do all the things that he does. And he also um, makes so much money. Every, uh, he has all these endorsements, all, all these. And so he's going on and on telling me what his life is going to be like. He doesn't have like, uh, he's not able to do a reality check to see whether that could actually happen. It would be possible to say to him, you know, that's never going to happen because you can't become a star at, at a, a sport when you start, at, you know, 12 or 13 years old, that's never going to happen. You could do that. You could just quash them, go boom. Or you could just explore it and say, well, gee, what's something that you haven't tried yet that could get you on the road to that? It doesn't matter whether somebody is actually going to do the thing that that big, gigantic, you know, whatever big, hairy, audacious goal doesn't matter. It only matters if they keep on moving forward because eventually reality Comes back to tell you that it's there anyway, and taking someone's dreams away means that they don't do anything.
0: Yeah, you you don't want to take a dream away, even if it looks just like a dream. But you, you 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 want to motivate them to take action. Without action, nothing Correct. is going to happen. You and I right. know that, right? right? So the, the action can be very small,
1: like you, you want, exactly because you want you want what I call the lived experience of success. So if I'm talking with, um, you know, a, a leader who just can't figure out why they don't have it, have it going at home, and we talk about what's the lived experience of success like at work, and that that uh, that parent, you know, who's also you know important, right? <laughs> that parent is is often not able to tell me what the lived experience of success is. They just know that they keep on going, and going and going and going. And they think that that is the definition of effort because I do not stop. You know, if I had it as easy as my kid has it, my kid has everything.
0: My I, I've done everything for my kid. When I was growing up. I... Isn't that like parents always say the same things our parents did, grandparents <laughs> did to our parents and so on. It's always the same thing, you know, if I had this. But, but this is doesn't... why you
1: want to ask instead of tell, so you can tell your kids that, but what if you say, what would make this work for you? How many parents, like that's, that's it. You are kind of, you're asking them to tell you all the things you do badly, potentially, right? What would make this work for you? Well, it would make me, it would be work for me if you would just leave and never talk to me again or whatever the kids would say, something yeah. even worse, maybe. Um, and you have to just hear that and understand that it's not you. If that's, just, you ask how they feel and that's how they feel all feelings are acceptable of course, actions are not acceptable all feelings are acceptable if you do not ask then you cannot find out how someone feels and the magic happens when i was saying before how people feel the magic happens when you can figure out small places where you can make small differences because those are the things that keep people willing to take action
0: yeah it's always about these small steps small actions that will Trigger next action, next action, next action, and so on. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, so when you get um, to work with the parents and children, I assume parents call you, and then you get their view, and then you speak to children as well. How does that process work for you?
1: Well, each one is individualized to some extent, even though I have a you know a vast array of of uh, coaching skills that I would use. With an adult or with kids but if i am um being like the uh i don't know what would i call this kind of it's kind of like being a a double agent um you know i'm yeah. like i have to hear what the what the boss says and what what the employee says you know or like the mo the the parent and the kid i need to make sure i understand what it is that the parent wants and some parents need uh they they need to work with me before I would ever work with their their child because they they don't have the like the core parenting skills that that they need um need to be established before I start working with a child to get the child to do too many things differently because a parent will just keep on undoing them not intentionally they'll just yeah or, or here's here's one of my my favorite things. I will always tell parents, you, you know, you need to commit to not doing this, and it's hard to to choose a thing not to do, but you need to not go to your child and say, you know, I'm paying good money for this. What are you doing with it, right? So <laughs> that's the worst thing to say, <laughs> right? Or you know, that's that's one of the worst ones. Another one that the parents sometimes say, I will say is, um, they'll be they'll be feeling really anxious, but they won't recognize that they'll say. it go today yeah what are you you doing uh you know um we're we're gonna see this in your grades right things are gonna get better (laughs) right so the the parents all wound up and they just keep on like piling that on they don't realize they think that they have chosen a great opportunity for their child and of course kids don't see these things as great opportunities right they
0: don't want to do it
1: (laughs) right so mostly kids uh only complain um when to their parents when the parents have like an outsized um you know investment idea in their head about like you know this is taking this much time this is taking this Mm -hmm. much money this is taking this much um of my uh my learning uh i have to do things differently like because who wants to do something different you know if you if you don't have to right
0: You know, yeah it's good that you it's really good that you have that opportunity to speak to parents about, you know, what they should or shouldn't do to help their children, basically, not not to help you with your approach. That's really good. You know, in my experience, I had, um, you know, I would coach someone and then at some point they would say, you know, can you please, I just got like two days ago, you know, can you please... Yeah, my child, I was like, I'm really sorry, but that's not what I do, I just, I just don't do that, I don't, you know, you really need to be specialized, so now, you know, I know who to send them to.
1: Well, actually, I, I do uh, enjoy this, because um, kids don't ask to be brought into the world, and um, there are lots of things we can do to help them be much better adults, um, by starting when they are younger, um, when they're becoming more self-aware, and um, and when they aren't, you don't want them to be angry and go into the world trying to somehow like uh, repair all the the badness in the world with their own set of you know blame tools. Mm, you know, then they, then they're not going to trust their boss or they're not going to want to work on a team or like there's all kinds of other things that they carry around with them. Um, and, and there are also um, you know some kids. So lots of the people who will get referred to me um, come via a uh, like a neuropsychologist who has done testing. Um, and it's found that the kids have uh, ADHD or they have um, okay. executive function difficulties, or maybe they have a learning disability. And these are our kids who are bright and creative and capable kids, but they aren't doing the work. And that's even more exasperating, especially if you have a parent, lots of times, and these are often dads that will say to me, you know, I had those same problems when I was a kid and look at me now. Yeah. <laughs> he to Get over his bad self and, you know, do the work. Right, So those kids sometimes feel like they're very like beat up on and that no one understands how much they struggle. And they just want someone who understands how they struggle, who can give them some skills that will help them. um, Let them feel like they have some choices where they get to see, like they make a choice, like the kid who, you know, I talked about who he was going to make the choice to be, you know, on the bus on time. So he could see his friends like, he only had to choose one time, but it did, uh, it didn't fix the problem completely. He needed to have ongoing little tweaks for a while, but it made a huge difference. So sometimes it's, you know, those skills, those choices, and then people become more self-directed. So here's another interesting thing that happens uh, on the, um, this happens uh, with young people in work settings. So I also, I career coach for um, like new college graduates, for example, or, or people I who have, okay. Yeah. Um, so um I have somebody who who recently uh, graduated from a, you know, a real high-powered um, university. It doesn't feel like there was much support uh, on the career side of things. And, you know, this person came to me and said, I, I, here is what I really, really, really want to do. And everyone I talked to says, why would you want to do that? And the person said to me, well, I want to do it because that's what I want to do. Yeah. But- there have been so many um, people in this person's life to discourage their own self direction. So um, the parent, you know, um, uh, I had worked with it with this person when they were were much 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 younger. The the parent said, "Okay, fine, you can go talk to her." So the person came to talk to me and said, "Here's what I really want." And I said, "Okay, let's figure out how you can get that." Yeah. All right. So now we have somebody who is you know employed, doing what it is that they really want to do, uh, is living in an apartment on their own. Parents are like, yes, (laughs) jazz hands, (laughs) you know, Um, when you take away agency from people, then it makes it so much harder for people to go ahead and take action. But we don't really see that when we look at people, we see people not doing what it is that looks like a no brainer to us.
0: Yes, yes. Because we judge and we think, you know, our directions is the best, and you know, especially for children. I I remember when uh, when my son was about to choose his school. (laughs) I'll never forget that He, he sat down with me. He said, "Dad, I know I'm gonna do something that you're probably not gonna like." I was like, "What is it?" He said, "Well." I want to go to college because I want to uh, to write. I want to become a writer. I'll probably be homeless, you know, like begging for money, but that's what I want to do. I was like, you want to do that? Go for it. So we just helped him to do that. He's the happiest kid now, you you know, married two kids. They have their own apartment, as you said. Amazing job. Loves it. Works anytime. You know, if he needs to work at night or weekend, no problem. Doesn't feel like work. So, I, I think, you know, supporting our children to do what they want to do, as long as that's not destructive, as long as, long as that's not something that's against our moral value, right, then we should support them, and we should support them. Otherwise, there will be like, I, I share often this story, I used to teach the Dale Carnegie program, and in one of my courses, there was, uh, everybody actually has to come out to give like two to three minutes speech and was this individual came out, I always get goosebumps when I think of him. And he comes out, he gives his talk and he said, you know, my, my, uh, my parents are doctors, my aunts are, doc- are doctors, my grandparents were doctors, my uncles, basically everybody in the family is a doctor, so of course they wanted me to become a doctor, so I did finished the medical school, started his own practice. And he said that then one day, and this was a, he was still a young kid. He said, then one day, not long ago, I came to my parents and I said, Mom, Dad, I love you so much. I know what you went through to put me through this extremely expensive school. But you know what? I'm really sorry. This is not for me. So I quit. <laughs> and we were like, <laughs> crazy. Imagine the parents, you know, I quit after all these years. So I always tell parents, don't wait for that, you know, for your child to quit after you spend hundreds of thousands of dollars and after kids spend 10 years in school, you know, listen to them now, right?
1: Right. But, you know, so I'm going to say yes, it's good to to listen earlier. However, no, no learning is ever lost. So here you have somebody who had a um, a very, um, you know, you you could identify it as being an expensive school, Um, you could identify it as many other things, but what was learned there and what strengths did that person bring to that education and what are some really wonderful takeaways, not just transferable skills, which are very helpful. But what are some choices that can be made based on things that you could never, ever have learned had you not had that experience? And I think that that is how you take something like, you know, imagine, you know, all those years spent in med school and uh, going off to practice. How many things could you never have learned had you not done that? So much more powerful than saying, I can't believe I spent so much money and now
0: you're not going to do it. True. No, I I agree. I I agree, of course. So every experience is so important. But, you know, in kids' mind, he kind of lost 10 years of, you know, instead of doing something he really wanted to do, he did something his parents wanted to do. So he really didn't go after his dream. He went Mm -hmm. after parents' dreams, which I really, you know, I don't think kids should do that. Right. Well, I don't think they should but when they do, which happens all the time,
1: um, it is, it is important to grieve for what it is that you did not have during whatever your, your, your 10 years are when you didn't do what it was you wanted. But most of the time it is possible to do things that you do want to do. And you're just going to do them later. I I actually just, I just um, put this, where did I put this? Uh, I think it was just in a social media post. Uh, When my kids were growing up, they had a pediatrician who was, uh, old enough. Uh, I don't know. She was like a half a generation older than me. Mm -hmm. My kids were little. I was in my twenties. Um, uh, and she was 40 something. She had gone back to med school when she was in her early forties. She had put off all of her future education to have, to get married and have kids and to put her husband through med school and get him established. But she really, really wanted to do that go back to school. And people told her, you can't do it. It's too late. You'll have to go and get a post back. You're going to have to do this. Like, It's never going to happen. So she was one of the best pediatricians ever. She understood what it was like to be a parent and to have raised kids. She yeah. understood what it was like to have a dream deferred, you know, Langston Hughes, a dream deferred. She understood what that was like. She was awesome. And, she, and lots of people told her it could never happen. So that's the other side of that, is you tell somebody, you can't do it, you can't do it. You can't go to med school and have children. So she's like, okay, I'll have children, then I'll go to med school. So sometimes it's how you frame things that makes the difference for your later success.
0: It's always about how you frame it. 100% agree. 100% agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. And nobody can tell you. You know they can all tell you it's not possible, but everything is possible. I I was doing you know I do exercise every morning. got my spin bike new one recently, and and you look at like fit, I fit Apple. They have this thing that they tell you are you know behind the pack or you in the pack or you know you are ahead of the pack. And I was like my first thing was like I can never be ahead of the pack. And I was like yes I can of course. What are you talking? Of course you can. And then like a month later I'm ahead of the pack. So. You know, just telling ourselves we can and taking actions toward I can. We can make anything happen, right?
1: Yes. Well, I I think that, you know, so I've had um uh clients uh who have gone through all of their education. Um some of them have become doctors. Uh I, I remember a wonderful, wonderful young woman. She um made it through what I'm trying to think what she was. She she had, had done uh like a surgical um uh um residency and she was was all of a sudden she's like i can't do this for the rest of my life and she didn't know what to do great crisis her parents uh who were um were immigrants had come here they had sort of you know made so many sacrifices like that you were telling the story before but what she ended up doing is she ended up becoming um uh, a consultant to uh, a small startup that was doing biomedical um, things and they needed to have somebody who really understood the medical side of things and it was it turned out she was a great entrepreneur and that's what she really wanted to do that's but without that background that she had she would never have ended up being able to do the 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 work that she finally ended up doing so sometimes it's uh i don't know it, it it is saying wow that was an amazing experience and now i'm gonna do the next experience you know yes I was married to this and now I'm going to be married to
0: something else. Exactly. Yeah. 100% agree. Yeah, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. So, awesome. So we covered we covered so much. This is really really amazing. Uh so from, you know, consulting to management to parents to to children, to so many different examples. Uh, anything you would like us to leave, leave us with? I usually don't ask this question. I, actually, I don't know if I ever asked, but we just covered so much. And I was wondering, you know, what, what do we want to leave, you know, parents, children, managers, what do we want to leave them with? Um, am I allowed to do one, one little
1: shameless uh, self-promotional plug? I'm just going to show Please. you. Please. Okay. This is my book. When people read The Effort Myth, um, when it, uh, before it actually turned into a book, and then afterwards when people um, read it to to leave reviews, it didn't matter whether they had children, even though the subtitle is how to give your child the three gifts of motivation. Everybody said, everybody who read it said, I learned so much about myself. I, and people said, I really wish that this had been available when I was growing up or I wish this had been available when my kids were growing up, or I'm so glad I found this because it changes everything that I'm going to do now, All right? So why is that? Because it's about people. When it's about people, you then you can cover a lot of ground. So what I would leave anybody with is when you think that something has to be highly specialized in order to be able to fix a problem, sometimes if you just step back and you, you figure out what does someone else need, what do I need, and how can we figure out how to go forward together having both of those needs met? Because that is the work that I do every day, and it applies to anybody who finds themselves feeling like they're in conflict with somebody else. This is how you solve those problems.
0: Sherry, thank you so, so much. This has been such a wonderful, wonderful. I had a great time. I learned so much. I know listeners will learn so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Honored to have you on our show. And I can't wait to talk to you again soon.
1: Well, thank you. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I had a great time talking with you. It, I have all kinds of stories and uh, it's great to have somebody just ask questions and just have a conversation. Thank, thank you. you
0: become the Life Success Academy founding member. Go to academyoflifesuccess.com and click on founding member to get 60% of full membership.